Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include respite chatter, my interview with Celine Finances, John Vela, on revenue targets and P&L examinations going on at mortgage companies and what's setting apart successful from less successful mortgage service providers at a time like this, and new versus existing home sales. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Vizio Lending. Vizio is the nation's premier lender for buy and hold investors with over $2.5 billion closed loans for single-family rental properties, including vacation rentals. Vizio is fast, simple, and dependable when it comes to financing rental properties. They believe time is money and strive to be upfront and consistent about their qualifications. Using a simple DSCR rather than a complicated NOI calculation, there are no tax returns or personal financial statements, and the pricing is set, so you always know your rate. Learn more, including about Vizio's top-notch broker program, at VizioLending.com. Sometimes lenders feel that they have a target on their backs, and some of the informal talk in the hallways at conferences of late is about avoiding redlining. There's also a focus on audits and exams. It's no secret that lenders are not making enough money on originations to sustain their organizations. Many are losing money on each loan originated and need to leverage revenues earned from servicing rights to balance profitability. This is why developing and deploying an effective servicing strategy is a mission-critical priority. Another point of chatter is RESPA. When does as-you-wish or intent figure into lending? Robbie, is it true that the same business lunch can either be a RESPA violation or not? Well, Hold on here. I'm not an expert in compliance, but yes, I believe that to be true. If you're an LO who takes a real estate agent to a nice lunch as a thank you for sending business your way, that's seen as a thing of value and would be a RESPA violation. If the same nice lunch is used to discuss new programs and training that your company offers real estate agents, then it's copacetic. Make sense? For today's interview, I want to welcome onto the show Celine Finance's John Vella to talk about revenue targets and P&L examinations going on at mortgage companies. As Chief Revenue Officer for Celine Holdings and its subsidiaries, he's responsible for driving revenue generation through ongoing leadership of sales, marketing, client management, and product innovation. Mr. Vella brings over 20 years' experience leading organizations and delivering exceptional results across multiple industries. Prior to joining Celine, he served as Chief Revenue Officer at Altasource, Chief Operating Officer of Equator LLC, and he began his financial services career with the FDIC and Freddie Mac and later served as the Chief Sales Officer for H&R Block's Mortgage Company and Chief Executive Officer of Bear Stearns EMC Mortgage Company. As I introduced you, you are the Chief Revenue Officer for Celine Holdings and its subsidiaries. And I want to talk about the Chief Revenue Officer's responsibilities especially at a mortgage service provider and especially in down market cycles like this. Can you, can you explain the CRO's roles and responsibilities? When you, when you look at it, the CRO role, you know, not just in today's market, but just in general, it uh, usually encompasses identifying what the market needs, you know, spending time in the market, spending time with the contacts and the industry leaders out in the market, and then looking at products and product fits you know, what, what is the trend in the market? Where is it going? Uh, what capabilities do you need as a service provider to meet the needs of the clients? 
find those gaps of what is being done in-house and what is being outsourced at, uh, at originators and, and servicing shops, and then finding you know the product suite that fits best for the for the market and for the clients. And then it's client satisfaction. Right? You have clients and making sure those clients are happy, not just with service levels and performance, but just the fact that you understand their business and you're able to grow with them and stay one step ahead to meet their needs. And then another piece of the, the CRO role that's ongoing, no matter what the market is, is just you know branding the company. And how do you differentiate yourself as a service provider? There's so many service providers out there. How do you promote what you do well, uh, either through data and performance, uh, through actual uh, case studies, uh, through testimonials from other clients, but just making sure that the company is well represented in the market, business development and sales, and on the sales side, just growing the client base, picking strategic clients that you know fit your mold and that will be able to go out and grow with you. And again, as a partner and treating these clients, again, as, as, a, as a lifeline when it comes to the service provider as a needed, trusted uh, party in their business model. So I think that's the role when you look at a chief revenue officer, identify the market needs, um, make sure that the clients are, are, are happy, fulfilled, they're getting the performance they need. They're getting a strategic partner they need, not just the service provider. So you have to understand the business and where the business is going. You have to continually brand the company. You have to manage the clients and manage their expectations. And then look for the next thing and the next gap in the market so you can provide that service and meet the needs of the industry. I have conversations with many people around the industry. And obviously right now, in a time like this, cutting costs or, or, or you know, scrutinizing every item on the, the P&L is a, a most important. And in conjunction with that, you know, there's a lot of technology at people's disposal uh, that, they, that they either spend money on or that they can use to examine uh, profitability metrics. So how are you leveraging data specifically at Celine Holdings uh, and its subsidiaries and examining the P&L to maintain or enhance profitability? I think every, everyone's always looking to get more efficient, but the question is, how do you get more efficient and improve your quality? So that, that's the way we look at everything. You know, if there's an efficiency to be gained, how does that help us? So when you're when you're looking at your operation from start to finish, and that includes sales all the way to the fulfillment in the in the you know in the uh, TPR space as well as servicing alone all the way through the process, uh, we have to make sure that we become more efficient. And we create scale, and you do that by instituting technology and making sure that that technology, again, you leverage that and the data that you're seeing from your performance. So within Celine, you know, we have a third party uh, within the family that helps us look at process improvement constantly. And when you're looking at your process, you know you can always improve it. The key is, can you take the right time and get the right people that are in the operations to spend time on looking at those efficiencies. I mean, not only just managing costs, but it's workflow. How do you take that data and workflow? How do you get decisioning engines throughout your process? How do you automate decisions uh, for consistency? And you do that with data, right? It's a smart system. So 
as you run these models, these models kick out the data, you look at performance, you continually fine tune the models. So we're instituting uh, new technology throughout our process. Uh, we're constantly looking at process improvements. We utilize a third party within our family to help us do that from start to finish. And you continually go through those exercises. It's not a one-time thing. You can't treat it, hey, every year we're gonna go through and look at our operation and we're gonna see where we've become more efficient. And you know, it's, it's an ongoing uh, a mindset that you have to have within the company. Get more efficient with better quality is probably the best way to sell it. So you had mentioned in your opening answer, there's a lot of mortgage service providers out there. And I wanna ask you from your experience in the industry, what do you feel like is setting apart successful from less successful mortgage service providers? Especially, like I mentioned in the last question, at a difficult time like this. At the end of the day, uh, clients are looking for performance. They're looking for timely responses. And they're looking for open and honest dialogue. Right? As a service provider, you know we're in the mortgage business. And you've been doing this a long time too, right? This is not a perfect system. There's always going to be issues. Every day there's going to be an issue. So I think when you have clients and how you differentiate yourself is you're fully transparent with these clients. And if there are issues, you own up to them, you work together to fix them, you fix the root cause, and you get on top of them right away. You know, that's number one. So you build that trust with a client. And that's a big differentiator. Not only the relationship, we all have relationships, right? We can pick up a phone and go in and get in a meeting, talk to someone and go through what our services are. But at the end of the day, when you're you're lucky enough to get a client and keep a client, it's it's all about performance, right? How do you, how can you show that you're performing, you know, above their SLAs, above their expectations, and you're also from a client management uh, perspective, you're managing their escalations in a timely manner. Uh, you're getting out in front. You're providing them trending. You're providing them information to help them run their business. And I hate to overstate the partner, but the partnership is they could pick up the phone at any time. They could call any one of us. And if they have a need that we're going to get right on. And I think, you know, that's number, you know, that's, that's number one. It's that trust you build uh, because, and then also having, you know, what sets us apart is we're not going to try to be everything to everyone here at Celine Holdings. Yes, we want to grow, but we're not going to grow for growth straight at sake, right? We want to grow in a measured manner. We want to grow with the right client base. We want to grow with strategic clients. So differentiating yourself where you're trying not to be everything for everyone, pick the things you're good at, do them really well, stick to that and nail it. I think that that's a key, having that mindset internally, because at some point you become so big or you do so many different things, you lose that personal touch with the clients. The clients lose that personal touch with you. And then, it, you know, you just become one of uh, many clients and you get in a pooled environment. You know, and that's not how we operate. So I think that's another piece how you do it. You know, having financial strength is always a plus. It helps differentiate. You know, having a solid parent company, having the ability to invest in your business, the ability to grow and to manage during difficult times because we all know this there's cycles and you're going to come out on the other end. So getting through those difficult times. I think that's how we differentiate ourselves. And then the last piece is you go hire the best team, right? And that best team means you have to be four deep. 
all through your operations. And you have to have people with experience. Uh, we do really well nurturing our own staff and, and growing our own staff. We have a great group of people that have worked in many, you know, many of the mortgage facets and have done a great job out. And we've been able to bring them in, build a good culture. And you create that culture of winning, you create that culture of quality, and that, that spreads throughout the company. It would seem I'm qualifying all my questions to you with the present time period, but that's because it is such a tough time in the mortgage industry, as we all well know. And, and so I have one more question of a, with a timely nature here, and that's, is now the right time for companies to be investing in technology? You always have to invest in technology, right? Whenever you put your budgets together, uh, because like we talked about earlier, when you're talking about becoming more efficient and with the products that are changing in the market. So you have to continue to invest in technology when you're creating your budgets. You, know, you can't say, well, I'm not going to invest. I'm not going to bring in any new technology. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to upgrade any of our technology. It's almost table stakes in today's world, right? So you have to be able to carve out a section of your budget. You have to focus on your technology because without the data, without the proper workflow, without the ability to move quickly and adjust to different products, and when you adjust to different products in the market, that requires technology enhancements. So you have to have that core capability built in, and you have to invest in data and analytics uh, because not, not as only is that the future, but that's what drives your business, your decisioning, your ability to interact with clients. The demand for data and the demand for information uh, is now stronger than ever with clients out in the marketplace if you're a service provider. So if you don't have the capability to provide the data and you don't have the capability to upgrade your technology because people want transparency, if they're a client, especially if they're a vendor of ours, you have to have those interfaces, those portals, the ability to communicate with borrowers, you know, all that technology investment is is paramount to you growing and being successful. Well, if it's always time to be investing in technology, maybe maybe I should phrase this question a little differently. And that's, have you changed any strategies in the last year when it comes to originations or servicing or sales in 2023? Yeah, I think I think the core of our our mindset and our strategy has not changed, right? It's our ability and what has changed. We've had to adjust to different product mix, right? We have to adjust to competition, right? You're always looking at competition and, okay, what are they doing? You know, how do we do it better? How do we, you know, get us in? Let's do a champion challenger. So the strategy has changed as far as, but how we approach clients has not changed. Like I said before, uh, being confident in our financial strength as a company, you know, that we're going to be there for the clients, you know, that that strategy and the strategy of of showing how we differentiate ourselves has not changed. But what has changed is how we identify products more market and the way we approach the market so we could stay ahead of the curve, you know, in our service, all of our service businesses. I think that's really, you know, become a forefront of how we do business to make sure that we could go out and hopefully provide something. Or if something comes to market, either competitors providing it 
or it's a request from a client that our strategy is how do we uh, work together internally to adjust quickly to make sure that we can meet those needs. So instead of maybe a 12-month build on a project to uh, define a new product, you know, we cut it down in three months and how we approach that. And then, you know, I think the strategy again with this today is, you know, financially, we're going to be there for you as a service provider. Uh, we're going to be there um, as an innovator and we're going to be there as a partner when it comes to managing your assets and all of our facets, all the businesses that we have within Celine Holdings, that you're going to get that service. But the strategy really is not changed or the approach to the business has not changed. It's just what has changed from a strategy perspective, getting out in front of, of products, getting out in front of client needs, and then being able and more nimble internally to react to those. Very well put. Mr. Bella, I very much appreciate the time today. Thank you for the insight. You got it, my man. Be good, drive safe, and uh, talk soon. Talk soon. Have a great one. Uh, be good. Thanks. Well, with the election of a Speaker of the House, the odds of a government shutdown have lessened. There's a tentative auto workers strike end, and both of these pieces of news would help the economy. Jobs and housing drive the U.S. economy, so what's going on there? We learned yesterday that new home sales jumped 12.3% in September and 34% year-over-year to a seasonally adjusted annualized rate of 759,000 units, according to the Census Bureau. This marks the largest monthly jump in over a year and the highest level of new home sales since February 2022. Even though the series is notoriously volatile, there was a decline of 8.2% in August. It points to continued resilience in the new home sales market. Of note is that the year-over-year change in the median sales price was down 12.3% to $418,800, the largest decline since February 2009, and consistent with anecdotes of home builders offering price discounts and mortgage rate buy-downs to drive sales and further changing the mix of homes being offered to more modest products. Keep in mind that new home sales make up a much smaller chunk of overall sales in the housing market than existing home sales where the trailing 12-month average has been on a downward trend since May of 2021, when it reached 898000 The September reading of existing home sales came in close to the trailing average this millennium, at 699000 to show the housing market is holding up despite higher mortgage rates. Markets do receive the release of pending home sales later this morning, which will provide more housing market clarity after the figure was down almost 19% year-over-year in the last report. Today's economic calendar kicked off with the European Central Bank, leaving its rates unchanged. But in this country, we had the first look at Q3 GDP, in a 4.9%, stronger than expected. Durable goods orders, up 4.7% for September. And weekly jobless claims, in at 210,000, up from 200,000, with 1.79 million continuing claims. In addition to the pending home sales index, today also brings Kansas City Fed manufacturing for October, a treasury auction of $38 billion of seven-year notes, Freddie Mac's latest primary mortgage market survey, and more earnings from Wall Street. We begin the day with agency MBS prices unchanged from Wednesday, the 10-year yielding 4.95 after closing yesterday at 4.95%, and the two-year at 5.11%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A father told his three sons when he sent them to university, I feel it's my duty to provide you with the best possible education, and you do not owe me anything for that. However, I want you to appreciate it, and as a token, please each put $1,000 in my coffin when I die.
and so it happened. The sons became a doctor, a lawyer, and a financial planner, each very successful financially. When they saw their father in the coffin one day as Halloween approached, they remembered his wish. First it was the doctor who put ten hundred dollar bills onto the chest of the deceased. Then came the financial planner who put ten hundred dollar bills in there too. Finally, it was the heartbroken lawyer's turn. He dipped into his pocket, took out his checkbook, and wrote a check for $3,000. Put it into his father's coffin and took the $2,000 cash. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Vizio Lending, and its top-notch broker program. Vizio is the nation's premier lender for buy-and-hold investors, with over $2.5 billion closed loans for single-family rental properties, including vacation rentals. Learn more at VizioLending.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at RobChrisman.com. Visit RobChrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.